You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. How is everyone this wonderful Tuesday? We have a special guest who's been with us recently, Trevor Sikama, host of Locked On NFL Draft. And it's going to be safeties with Sikama today. What's going on with you, Trevor? I like the alliteration. How about that? that? I came up with that. Good. Did you just come up with that on top of your head? Top of my head. Boom. That's for pretty, pretty, pretty impressive stuff, huh? I don't know. I feel like you had me on just for the alliteration. So now I've got to now I've got to make sure that I'm worth it. But that was good, man. Could have done tight ends with Trevor. That'll be next week, maybe. Oh man. (laughs) Uh, Before we now. Before we get started, I do want to tell you you can get Locked On NFL as well as Locked On NFL Draft on a brand brand new podcasting app called Himalaya, as well as our Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as usual. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcasts, Locked On NFL, or Locked On NFL Draft. So, Trevor, let's get into this safety class. It sure. is a very interesting one to me in that there isn't a Sean Taylor or a Palomalu or a Reed, you know, that's going to be a guaranteed top 20 pick, but there's a lot to choose from. And I I forget who said it on a recent podcast. Maybe it was even yours. I think there's a really good chance that on the first and second day combined, there might be more safeties taken than corners, which is unheard of. Yeah, no, I mean, like, now that you say it like that, that's certainly how it could shake out. And it's really interesting because I think the safety class is following the mold of the rest of the draft where it seems to kind of be a, like, a pick-your-preference kind of a draft, right? I mean, we look at mm-hmm. a lot of these different positions and we're like, ah, you know, they're not they're not that strong at the top, but there's still going to be a lot of guys that are going to have starter logs throughout, you know, 2018, 2019, 2020. Um, that could develop into full-time starters later on. We're just – it's not as clear-cut maybe in, in this class than it is in years past. And I think people have a tendency to – when it's not so solidified at the top, when it's not so obvious of, oh, of course this guy's going to be good. Of course this guy is worth a top 20 or a top 32 pick. Then people kind of start to shy away from it and go, mm. eh, I'm not really into this safety class. There's a lot of safeties to like, and – the, you know whether you're playing single high, whether you're, you've got a box rule you're looking to fill, whether you play too deep, um, whether you're looking for athletes or, or guys who thrive with recognition and anticipation, there are those kinds of players, whoever you want, I think, throughout this safety class especially. And so even though this might not be a class where teams are looking to give up assets to move up for a guy, I mean, that, that'll probably happen for a handful of these guys, but it's not as uh, desperate as it has been in years past. I really do like the talent in this class, and I think that that, that a lot of teams are going to get some good safeties for their team specifically if they can pick the right ones. Yeah, I think you're 100% right, and this class seems a lot like the running backs, the wide receivers, where right. landing spot's really going to determine to me, wow, is that a good fit? Is that going to work out for this young man? Or, ooh, I don't like where he went. That's, you know, it's kind of, he's going to have to play left-handed. Sure. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good point. I think safety, even more than cornerback, uh, you know, we talk about being press man corners, off co- off cover three guys, um, guys that thrive more in cover two with different anticipation. That exists, I think, with cornerbacks, but I don't think we emphasize it or, or take notice nearly as much as how much it matters for safeties because right. as we've seen 
the slot position uh, really evolve over the last couple of years with guys getting quicker with their feet and their route running uh, to be those kind of quick hit guys who run those drag routes, those slant routes to the outside and the inside just to create little separation or even giant tight ends that are basically glorified big wide receivers that you're starting to play in the slot. You know whose job that is, is often it's the safeties that have to try to neutralize those mismatches. And so I think, boy, more often now than I've seen in the past, you've really got to nail your safety roles. And I think that was a big problem. You know, I, I've been covering the Bucks for the last couple of years, and Mike Smith was the defensive coordinator there um, for the last two years. He was let go early on in 2018. But something that Smith did and it's something that he talked about that I never really agreed with was – he talked about having his safeties be in interchangeable roles. And that sounds good in theory, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you have two safeties that could both play strong and free at any time, um, that could come up and guard, that could possibly play single high, that's great in theory. That doesn't always exist, right? I mean, you'd have to have two seriously good safeties. I mean, even look at a guy like Landon Collins. Landon Collins was just given the third biggest contract for any defensive back. And he's a box safety. He's not even what you would want in that described role. So I think that when we talk about having two interchangeable safeties and two guys who can truly, quote unquote, do it all on the back end in today's NFL, you're you're talking about a utopian defensive back strategy that just doesn't exist. And so I think the teams that are more successful are realizing that, hey, we've got to have specific roles for our safeties to make sure that we're covered both on the back end when we want to play deep coverage and also when we've got to walk up and, and play some man-to-man and, this, and neutralize some slot players. And so that's kind of where I think the game is going. And as it does, we're realizing that, hey, some of these specialization safeties, even the handful that are in this class, can have a lot more value than I think they would have had three, four, five years ago. Yeah, it's a really interesting discussion because, yeah, it'd be great to have two truly interchangeable guys. But that's almost asking for, like, Keekley and Thomas Davis or right, you know, Willis and Bowman. You know, like... It doesn't grow on trees. I mean, they'll just grab two pro bowlers. You know, like, easier said than done. Exactly. And I don't know that you want to be as defined as Chancellor versus Earl Thomas type of things, because I think you can scheme, you know, matchups against those guys. But if you have to guard Welker, who's so much harder to, so much different to guard than Colston or Ingram or McCaffrey, you know, like the, 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 Mm -hmm. the variety of guys you have to guard just from the slot, you need a wide variety of them. And of course, we're seeing, Safeties that are now nickel linebackers, but let's talk about some of these top dudes because I think it's sure. very much an evolving and very fun position. So, Trevor works with the, the Draft Network, and I went up and just pulled up the safety ranks. These aren't his ranks per se. This is like a com- compilation of all you guys, right? Yes, yeah, it's okay. kind of a consensus. Okay, um, Chauncey Gardner Johnson is the top of the list. Playmaker, good body, does a lot of things well. Tell me about him. Yeah, I think that, that you know Chauncey's journey has been an interesting one. I'm also a UF grad, so I've watched mm-hmm. basically every single Chauncey Garner-Johnson game that there is. So I've watched him quite a bit. Came on the scene as a freshman. They got him on the field early because the guy is just that athletic. Um, they realized that they could use him in a variety of different spots. He could play a little bit of corner. He could play some single high free safety. Um, they used him as a strong safety more in his sophomore season. And he had some confidence with him, but also – he missed a lot of tackles his oh. sophomore year in 2017. And 
He would whether whether he was whiffing on big hits or not even just simply wrapping up on players. He was not focused to the details of what he needed to be to be a reliable safety, especially in a more strong safety role that he played in 2017. And so 2018 comes around. He cleans a ton of that up. They get a new coaching staff there in Gainesville. He cleans a ton of that up. And then you can see the allurement of why you wanted to get this guy on the field so early, why he was such a highly rated recruit. All of the rest of that stuff began to shine brighter in Chauncey Garner-Johnson's game once he cleaned up the details. So was much more sound in tackling. And because he was more sound in tackling, you could see he had more confidence in coverage. He was recognizing things better. Um, he had that swagger to him that you absolutely need to play defensive back, whether it's at the highest level at college or the NFL, whatever it is. And so because of his body type, because of how athletic he is, and because how versatile he showed that he could be in Gainesville, he's a guy who I really like as a, you know, I'd, I'd give him a chance at free safety, certainly to play a, a very valuable single high role with a team also knowing that, you know, when you were, you were, you were saying there that these safeties got to have so many different roles. You can create a package almost where, okay, if you're playing two safeties, like if you're just playing in base and you're playing two safeties, you could have Chauncey do the free safety roles, more of the back end, more of the deep coverage. He can use his range and his athleticism there. But also, if they go into nickel, you can get a little bit custom with your nickel and say, okay, we're going to put a different safety in a free safety, and then we'll put Chauncey as our mismatch man on the tight end, on the wide receiver, closer to the line of scrimmage. That's why I think he's our number one safety is because he presents that versatility and that top talent with every team. So he was a fun watch in 2018. Glad he really improved because he's got a lot of talent to him. It's funny because we were just kind of calling out the Bucks for, yeah, we want interchangeable safeties. Well, better, easier said than done. Well, he seems like the definition of one. Yeah. And I don't know that he'll be alone either. I think there'll be a handful of guys that might actually fit that criteria all in different shapes and forms. Yeah, no, and, and he can he can certainly do that. But I'll also just say it is a lot harder to think that a guy can be that and then obviously see him manifest into, like you said, almost that dual Pro Bowl caliber mm-hmm. duo. Um, it just doesn't come around often, even if you like the talent that you're picking. So, yeah. But you're mm-hmm. right. He's not the only one. No, no, you're right. Um, we're going to take a quick break, but do you think it's safe to say that if we put five highly respected NFL analysts, draft analysts in a room – they might come up with five different number one safeties on their list. I don't know about five, but I'd say that three or four. it would be it would probably be split. Maybe three guys, yeah. Okay, okay. Right, we are going to take a quick break, and we're going to get into some of these other ones. It's a fun class. All right, next up on your guys' list is Nasir Adderley. Brings a lot of special teams value, playmaker, does it all. Small school, but boy, he's fun to watch. Favorite part about Nasir Adderley is the ball skills. Okay. Um, because when you play safety – Certainly, you want to be able to play coverage well enough, have your eye discipline to be looking at the quarterback, warrant those no throws, right? I mean, the greatest compliment that you could have as a defensive back is the fact that you played coverage so well, quarterback didn't even want to throw the ball your way. Whether it is you're playing deep end on the safety, whether you're playing their slot receiver or their number one, that's the biggest compliment that you could get. But on the chance that they do throw you the ball, the second biggest compliment you could have is when somebody compliments your ball skills and your ability to take the ball away. That's sincere Adderley. I mean, he, some of his tape at Delaware, I get that it's Delaware, but a one-handed interception in the middle of the field is a one-handed <laughs> right. interception in the middle of the field. You know what I'm saying? So 
he's just and the way he moves he, and yeah he's he, yeah he's just he's so smooth in his movements he's so smart um i can't wait to see him with nfl coaching i hope he gets paired with a great db coach because the potential that adderley has again to be almost a, a guy who could play anywhere on the back end is a lot of fun just because of the instincts he has to take the ball away and make things happen for his defense coming into last season you know in the offseason preseason but before college football started I think Alabama's Deontay Thompson was probably the consensus number one safety. And he seems like he's a little bit different than the others in that he really is a single high guy, right? I mean, he I'm not saying he's Earl Thomas, but he's long, he's lean. You probably don't want him in the box. Uh, but you, I do think there's still great, great value in having a center field, a race problems guy. And to me, that's what he seems like. Am I right? Yeah, going into the season... I love Deontay, man. Deontay is so awesome. His tape at the end of 2017, when Hootie Jones went down and Deontay got to come in at the end of the year for Alabama, he popped immediately from that single high roll. Just having range to get from the middle of the field all the way to the sideline, get past breakups. You know, you go earlier in the year and you look at a couple of the games after after that kind of got him on my radar, I went back in 2017, looked up some of the film when Alabama was blowing these teams out and they were putting their second stringers in. Deontay was doing the same thing, man. He's flying around. He's making hits. He's getting interceptions, all kinds of stuff. This is a guy who is only about a buck ninety, but he'll put his body on the line to make a hit. And I know that that's kind of scouts. Scouts don't love that because they, they 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 gets right in their notes like this guy's gonna break himself in half in the NFL because he's just flying at these dudes at such a lower weight. But that's kind of mentality he has, man. He plays mm-hmm. his motors going with one hundred at all times and. When you see the flashes of the range that he could have, I think he had some lapses in judgment probably in the middle of the year and towards the end of the year um, that hurt him. And Alabama's secondary just was not nearly as cohesive as it was in years past, and so that didn't help him either. And so that's probably why he's not like the consensus number one guy. But in terms of potential, I'm not giving up on him, man, because when you show legit single high ability like Deontay has in his tape over the last two years, though it's in flashes, You've got to, as a defensive backs coach and a defensive coordinator, look at this guy and be like, I can make something out of this. This guy can be a difference maker for us. And if you can get the most out of Deontay Thompson, then you can get so much more aggressive on your defense. Being able to have a true single high guy lets you get so aggressive in the front seven with your cornerbacks. However, it is just because – you're not afraid to get beat deep. You right. know that he's going to handle it. And so They're if you get that out of Deontay Thompson, more. man, you're yeah. going to have a really good football player. Yeah, and he seems like his trump card, that single high ability, kind of does stand alone. Of these top five, ten dudes, no one's really in his class in that capacity, are they? No, I I'm, I mean, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Some guys could poss- could right. get there. There's some guys who have potential, but certainly but he's if, the if best I'm talking, of the bunch. And yeah, he's, he's and, the guy who I'd say is yeah. the best there. The next two guys on this list, I'm not saying they're the same, but they both have some similarities. And Juan Thornhill from Virginia and Darnell Savage from Maryland, really good testers, not super huge in terms of their weight, but have some versatility in terms of their coverage abilities. I think there's a lot to like with these two, too. Juan Thornhill had a hell of a combine. Yeah, he's on the rise, to say the least. I I knew the guy was going to be athletic because he's a former corner, but, shoo, man, I mean – as fast as he ran, as high as he jumped, as far as he jumped, that explosion is, is definitely there. You see that that cornerback side of him really come out at the combine. And so he was great. And he's got the ball skills, too. I think Thorn, Horn, 
Juan Thornhill is, man, I'm going to say it. I think he's going to be a top 50 lock for an NFL team just because when you look at the athleticism and then you look at the interception, the, the amount of interceptions that he had, it's hard for me to think that the NFL won't pick this guy in the top 50. So Might someone start him at corner, maybe an off corner? He, I mean, they could. It, he, he kind of played – they switched him from corner to safety because mm-hmm. although he was athletic, um, he was getting beat a little bit at corner. So they move him to safety and they just go, okay, well, we're going to take your athleticism and make it a plus of yours at safety. See what you could do on the back end. See what you could do with range. And that was obviously great for him. So he is a hybrid player where you could get away with playing him at both. I'd obviously keep him in safety to start just because yeah. – he does have such an advantage with that athleticism. And then Savage is the same way, man. He's got some really fun tape. His acceleration's awesome. It's just not there for him yet at a recognition level. You know, you hope – I've said this a couple of times, but I've learned so much that coaching and fit um, and the things that you learn on early in your NFL career really matter. Uh, I hope that Darnell Savage gets with a great DB coach. Um gets in a great DB room with some good veterans around him, teaches him how to watch film the right way because that first step for Darnell Savage could be deadly as uh, not only a guy coming up to bring big hits, but also certainly as a potential guy in the deep zone for coverages. And so if he gets, if Savage gets a little more anticipation under his belt, he's going to be a real fun safety to have. If I told you the over-under for all five of these guys to be off the board, Gardner Johnson, Adderley, Thompson, Thornhill, Savage, was... 55. Would you go under or over? I'd go over, but... Because it only takes one to fall. I mean, I think that you'd only be missing that mark by about one of them. Okay. So You're pretty confident they're both probably, or all five will be in the top two rounds. Yeah, yeah, I, I do think so. Okay. I do think they're going to all go top two rounds. Two guys you guys have a little lower that a lot of people do not are Taylor Rapp, who just ran really poorly, but he's a bigger mm-hmm. guy. And Jonathan Abram, who a lot mm-hmm. of people are talking first-round buzz with him, I've heard throughout the year, too. Yeah, so, I mean, with Taylor Rapp, you kind of know what you're getting. I mean, this is a really solid safety prospect. His short area quickness is elite. Um, I mean, this guy can change direction, go one way or the other, better than basically anybody in this class. He's awesome in that regard. And then when he gets you close, he's tackling you. The dude won't miss tackles. That's it. And so Rapp is such a sound prospect. But what limits him above some of the other guys that we named is the overall athleticism. You know, Rap's not going to be a guy that you can really play at free safety in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I think that maybe you can because his his recognition of the game is so good that you could possibly play him at free safety. He can work angles and read quarterback eyes well enough to warrant some no throws. But if he's getting really challenged on the deep side of the field, the athleticism in the NFL is just it's too fast, I think, for him. And so that's why he's not regarded as one of those other guys. But he's a really, I mean, he's a really solid safety prospect. Somebody's going to really like what they get in a guy like Taylor Rapp, I just don't think he's going to get drafted as high as those guys who have a better athletic ceiling. I mean, if he even gets in a foot race with Kittle or Kelsey, he might uh, Yeah, it's over. Yeah, I mean, he's going to lose that one, let alone a wide receiver. Exactly. And then Jonathan Abrams actually the complete opposite. Um, Jonathan Abrams is a really athletic guy. He's a guy who plays um, to the wall at all times, man. Um, Not not sure. You know, if if you've seen the movie Waterboy, I remember he was (laughs) asked – Remember, he was asked at the Combine, somebody was asking him, man, you lay all these big hits. Like, what's the mentality behind that? And I think he said that uh, he talked to his wife about it one time, and his wife said, if you're not out there hitting like Bobby Boucher, then what are you doing? So that's kind of the mentality that he has to, to really put a hurting on people. He's a big hitter. He's a guy who has range with athleticism. 
He just, I don't think, has put it all together yet. But he is a young man who I know has a lot of confidence in himself getting to talk to him at the Combine. Um, that was great, and that's something I really do enjoy about Indianapolis even more than the testing is getting to see these guys in person, getting to hear their demeanor, their confidence, how they talk about their game. And um, Abram's a very confident guy, and I think that, you know, again, with the right regiment to watching film to more understanding the game he is a guy who has another high ceiling he's just right now a little bit erratic and chaotic in his game but he knows that too he's admitted that and so that's good that he sees that yeah yeah uh, again that's a really interesting group and there, i didn't even get into three four five other names that could be you know round three round four type guys not to mention all the special teams contributions these guys will add immediately a yeah. wide variety of safeties, Trevor. This is good stuff. Uh, let's take a break and then just do a little quick synopsis of the Bucks right now, if that's cool with you. Yep. All right, we are back. And I've done a couple mock drafts on here. And the first four picks to me are pretty easy, you know, in that, okay, if I don't get Quinn and I'll take Bosa. You know, like, but when I get to the Bucks, if a quarterback and the top three defensive players are off the board, I get a little befuddled, you know, like I'm not exactly sure what route they would take. Like being familiar with Todd Bowles, I think ideally the Bucks would wish that Greedy Williams was, you know, Jalen, you know, a superstar corner, you know, Patrick Peterson type. Sure. Yeah. Like that's to me would be the ideal pick at five, but that guy's not available. You know, you could get a really good offensive lineman. You could grab another defensive lineman. Um, what do you what do you thought what are your thoughts on the fifth pick if it doesn't fall that Bosa or Quinnen or someone like that's there? So I think that if I were to give you my Bucks big board right now on what mm -hmm. I think yeah, what let's I do think that. they're thinking, I think it's between three guys. I think Quinnen would be their number one. If Quinnen Williams is somehow available at five, I they think sprint to the podium. I, I certainly would hope so. Yeah. Um, if if it's not Quinnen. I would say right now at this time of recording the podcast, I would say that it's Devin White at number two, okay. and then I would say Ed Oliver at number three. Now that wow. could, I could flip two and three and have Oliver at two, depending on what happens with McCoy now, because you know McCoy didn't—he's he, not there for the voluntary workouts that just happened. Um, that just started because the Bucks have a new coach in Bruce Arians. I'm not sure what the relationship there is with. With McCoy, does he still want to be on the team? What's Tampa going to do with him? Because he's owed $13 million this year, and that was a big talking point of the offseason. Are they going to move on from Gerald McCoy? And so if they do, if it becomes more and more imminent as the draft gets nearer, that they are going to be playing the 2019 season without Gerald McCoy, I think they could take a guy like Ed Oliver at five. I really do. And so hmm. I think that then those two interior defensive linemen would be the top two choices with Devin White in their back pocket, knowing that they would be very happy drafting Devin White as well. And even if McCoy's there, it wouldn't be the worst guy to learn from. Uh, or, yeah, hey, know, look, I'm saying, right. you know, I'm saying that as well. So do you think there's a chance McCoy gets traded? I mean, again, this is Tuesday at noon. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, but – if it becomes, if it grows the mushrooms a little bit, you know, they were talking of getting cut in the offseason. Could he not be back? Yeah, it's a weird timeline because, right, like anytime in January, it was kind of reported like, oh, the Bucks might cut Gerald McCoy. And Schefter, I think, tweeted that out. And anytime that information gets out, you really lose a lot of leverage as right, a team. Right. Because 
a team you, – you could be looking to trade him, and you'll go, okay, well, you look at Gerald McCoy. You look at the kind of player that he is. Okay, maybe he hasn't had the production you would want over the last couple of years, but first step is still elite. He just turned 30, so it's not like he's super old. The, the, the potential for disruption is still there for a certain team. The Bucks could go, okay, he's worth a third-round pick to you guys, we think. So, so w- let's do McCoy for a third. And they'll go, no. You, he's on the books for $13 million on his current contract, mm-hmm. and you guys are already thinking about cutting him. We're not giving you a third-round pick. No way. And we've just and seen so, the market for veterans for picks. is And leaning so then right, all of a sudden, so it's well. like team a, a team might be like, all right, we'll give you a seventh-round pick for him. And the Bucks are like, no, we're not giving no up chance, a seventh-round right. pick for McCoy. McCoy can still help us win games. So that's when the gap gets created. I thought if they were going to cut him, they would have cut him right before free agency because – McCoy has done a lot for that Buccaneers team and that Buccaneers franchise. He's been the face of, you know, an era where, I mean, it was just blunders left and right by both the owners and the GMs and the head coaches. And yet McCoy continued to have to be the face of that franchise. And I think there's something to that. And I think the Bucs owed him, if they were going to move on from him, to, to move on in the right way. Doing it before free agency, letting him pick his destination, letting him go to a team that's going to give him a decent amount of money. But they didn't do that. And when they didn't cut him then, I thought, wow, okay, Gerald's playing for 2019. Now it seems like he's not. And I think that one of two things are going to happen. They're going to try to trade him. They're going to try like hell to trade him during the draft, I think. Okay. They're going to try to package something because if Move you look off. at McCoy yeah. and you go, uh, is McCoy worth a fourth-round pick on his own? No. But if you go, hey – we want to swap picks with you in the third and fourth round. We'll also throw in Jerry McCoy. Now you're talking about something different. Now you can kind of skew value. You can, I don't want to say confuse, but you can put leverage more on your side. And so I think if McCoy's going to get dealt, he's going to get dealt at the, during the draft. And at this point, I'd say that there's a better chance than not that he is going to get dealt during the draft. That's just my take. I, I could see, you know, a lot of teams wanting him, and a lot of For teams sure. have the cap yeah. space. I mean, he, he would be desired. I mean, to me, I mean, even straight up for a fourth doesn't sound unreasonable. I mean, that's what the Bucks are hoping for, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, last little nugget on that fifth pick, and then we'll wrap it up. I mean, I would assume, though, you'd be open to trade. If Quinnen's gone, White and Oliver are there, you could probably still move down three, four spots and get one of those two. You know, someone yeah. moves up for Haskins or, you know. Yeah, so I think that's the, you know, the quarterback market's obviously the big thing, right? And it sounds like... It sounds like no teams are super high on any of the quarterbacks that aren't named Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. So if Kyler Murray really does go number one overall, then that kind of puts a damper on it. But perhaps the Bucks can convince one of these teams, like you know maybe Denver, Miami, Washington, these these other teams that need a quarterback to move up a couple of spots to get up to five to get a guy like Haskins, or maybe if they if they love a guy like Drew Locke. But that's probably where it's going to happen for them. I, I'm not sure how much more trade value if any at all you're going to get from other teams if it's not for a quarterback because remember at that point Bose is going to be off the board Josh Allen's going to be off the board right. Quinnen Williams is going to be off the board if any of those guys were there the Bucks would take them but there's not an offensive a, skill con- position to trade up right for, to convince you know. a team to move up for Brian Burns just doesn't seem like it's going to happen and so you know and there's plenty of other guys like that I think the only thing that will move the needle enough for them to trade back is potentially for a quarterback. I'm not sure if any other team wants to move up that badly. Yeah, yeah, I think it's well said. Uh, Trevor, you're the man. This was a blast. Let's talk again at some point. 
And please let everyone know where to find you. I'm sure they're already listening to Locked on NFL Draft. And if you're not, shame on you for six weeks. Sure, yeah. TheDraftNetwork.com is where all my work can be found. We do a daily draft podcast over at the Locked on NFL Draft podcast. You can find that anywhere, iTunes, Spotify, however you listen. And then, of course, on Twitter, at Tampa Bay Trey, T-R-E. Um, I'm always firing takes and trying to make people laugh on there so it's a good time so uh no matt this is great it always is man uh let me know when you want to do it again absolutely and folks I, i've mentioned you this before i pumped this up before but the draft network has an awesome tool where you can go in and do a mock draft of your favorite team as if you're the gm and get a really good feel for what you might be able to might be able to land third fourth round stuff like that so i urge you guys to check that out uh tomorrow i will be back with mark schofield as always on wednesdays if there's any quarterback you want me to bring up with mark send me a tweet And that's a wrap. Over and out.